This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. for another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast being recorded the night after the uh, Caribou Cup second round tie at Ashton Gate last night in front of just under nine and a half thousand fans where it finished City nil, Norwich City one. Bit of a disappointment that I hope for progression through to uh, the third round, but we are where we are. Uh, I'm pleased to say that joining me today is regular Ian and also relatively regular Dave Febbs. Morning chaps, are we uh, feeling... uh, Blue this morning, or yellow, or green, or what? <laughs> How are we feel? You first, Dave. What do you think? What do you think? Um, I, I, I never feel blue. You know, it's the wrong, wrong. I was going to say wrong half, wrong quarter of the city, isn't it? So, um, yeah, yeah no, not not blue, but I'm not, I'm not exactly the from a football point of view feeling uh, feeling red either. So, yeah, not great, not great. Ian, your uh, thoughts? I mean, you you you've. Uh, you, you, you're, you're always you're never backward in coming forward with what you think, but uh, you know what, what are you thinking this morning? It was mixed emotions, really. Uh, on the one side, I always want to see City win, never want to see us lose. Um, on the other side, there's an element of relief because of two things: one, the size of our squad; secondly, the number of injuries we've got long term. Um, although we heard last night that. Or we heard once again that Vyman isn't as bad as was first thought when he came off at Hull. Um, but they still don't know an exact time for him to come back. So that is, that's a little bit more hopeful. But we have heard that twice before and we did hear it about Scott and that turned out to be wrong. Yeah. So um, the, the way I feel is I don't think we've got the squad numbers to have a cup run. Um, and particularly as we're not utilising the younger players, I would have liked to see seen uh, Yeboa and Arroyo start last night. I'm not talking about putting in half the under-21s, that'd be silly, but yeah. I'd, I'd like to see those two guys who've been, I'll call it regulars on the bench. Um, I, I'd much prefer to see them uh, play and start the game and look, if, if they'd have done 45 minutes and it was it was going wrong for them, they can always be hooked. But at least we know where we are rather than just throw them in when we've got even more injuries. So okay. in, in myself, I'm, I'm 10 out of 10, always am. Um, but in in football, football terms, yeah, it, it, it's a combination of disappointment, relief and concern as to um, what we're going to do that, with Nigel Pearson saying we're not going to do anything uh, yeah. in, in in terms of incomings after the game, concern as to how we're going to cope because we are, I think, 
two injuries away from a crisis. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Dave, um, the lineup. Norwich made nine changes. <laughs> they still look pretty good. Pearson was bemoaning the fact that yeah, they yeah, I don't have as big a squad as they've got. They were in the Premier League relatively recently. They got a new manager in uh, Wagner. Um, but our lineup, it, it sort of picked itself in your views. What what were your thoughts when you saw that lineup had been uh, listed there? I guess the, the big surprise for me in the lineup was that we didn't play Dickie and Viner together and, and, and play Naismith in midfield. I, th- I, thought, I thought that was what he'd do. I'm not saying it's necessarily what I'd do. I probably would have as well, in, in fairness. But um, I was surprised to see a kind of different centre-back combination. And and I guess, I, you know, I probably thought Knight would play because he's a bit of a Duracell bunny and I thought he'd be OK. But, you know, a bit like Ian's just said there, I... I I never want us to go out in the cup. I always want us to progress. But if ever there was a season and listening to Nigel Pearson's interview afterwards where I think it would be a blessing in disguise, it was last night. Because, and I think, in fairness, Nigel managed the you know 15 players that, that played last night pretty well. And, mm. uh, you know, without kind of going too far into the future to, you know, use someone like Andy King for 90 minutes who ain't going to start on Saturday again against Swansea was was good. He's kept Pring back. He's kept Viner back. He's kept Matty James and Jason Nightbar half hour back as, as well. So I think he's actually used the squad, the limited squad, pretty well. And obviously we've got Taylor Gardner-Hitman to, to come back in as well at the at the weekend. So uh, that to me was the 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 big positive last night was that we we managed the the senior professionals well. I kind of mm. a little bit. I, I just on. You know, Yeboah looks exciting. Let's, I, I don't want to get too carried away on him just yet, but you know, I think we'll we'll see a lot of him this season if it's you know only from the bench. I think looking at people like Raf and Jamie Knight Labelle who've been on the bench a bit, and I know it's under twenty one football, but if we look at the results there and some of the goals they're conceding, I'm, they conceded I'm, eight in the last two, haven't they? Is I, that right? It's something like that, but I, I don't. I'm not hearing, you know, obviously we don't see them on Robin's TV anymore, but from the people I know that go or got kids in academy, I'm not I'm not sure they're pulling up the trees that they perhaps ought to be in under twenty one football to to you know, to sit on the bench. And and I guess the other thing on that is if you put them on the bench and they're missing their under twenty one football and if they're not going to get on because they're not quite there and don't and Nigel don't want to expose them. It's almost kind of no point putting them on the bench. I said, Dave, we were talking very, very briefly yesterday that the movement to nine subs kind of just exaggerates the situation. If we had seven subs and they were the, the seven we had last night, we'd probably sit there and think, oh, it's not too bad. But nine yeah. subs, it becomes a bit of a yeah. overindulgence to some some yeah. some extent. And, uh, you, you know... I've, you talk there about two youngsters, uh, Nigel Bell and Royer, but he, again, I'll bring the name up into the equation. You know, I'm surprised he's still hanging around the place, but where, where does Duncan Idahan fit in all this? Because he's sort of, you know, is he persona non grata or, you know, because you could have stuck him, you could have stuck one of them on the bench, couldn't you? Yeah, he's, well, he played, he's been playing in the under-21s uh, this season. I would imagine these playing in the under-21s to hopefully put him in the shot window to try and move him on, I guess, but because he's certainly nowhere near the first team, is he? Right, OK, no, I'll go with that. That's, um, my, that's only my, my thoughts, anyway. Yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll stick with you, Dave, on this. I thought Sykes last night was playing 
seemed to be in a more central role early on. I thought he showed some nice touches in there. Yeah, I, th- I think he did all right. I think, you know, if you go back to his Oxford days, the seasons before he, he played kind of wide right for Oxford, that was his position, playing as a kind of number eight or a, a more central attacking mid- midfielder. So, yeah, I didn't. I, I was interested to see whether he was going to line up as a, as a 10 behind Williams and King, but actually Williams played predominantly left of King and um, Sykes played right of King as a kind of as the as the two eights. I thought you yeah, thought he had a reasonable game last night. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. All right, let's get into the action. And Norwich knocked the ball around well. You know, they seemed at ease on the ball. It wasn't a hot potato. First bit of action in. You you saw this uh, good cross from uh, Plaquetta, and then there was a save that that Max did. I mean, he's capable of doing those sort of saves, isn't he? But he does let it down with his distribution. I mean, what's your view on Max, Ian? You know, is he, are those saves enough to sort of justify keeping him there as number one with a sort of number two that we've got at the moment in Harvey Wiles-Richards? Well, and Harvey Wiles-Richards, I believe, played for the under-21s and we had Stefan Badgick on the bench. Um, mm. Well, on, on what I've seen, uh, it's a limited amount of, Walls, Richards and Badgick. And I had a, a, something interesting. I had a look at the emergency loan rules last night, rule 57. And what it states is that you can bring in an emergency loan only if you, you haven't got any professional goalkeepers. Now, we've got two professional goalkeepers behind Max O'Leary. So with, with, with people saying, unless they're on some form of lesser contract um we won't be allowed to bring in an emergency loan if max gets injured so is that right dave you put your finger up there yeah um the 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 rules are professional goalkeeper is someone who's played five or more games at the given the given level so harvey wiles richards doesn't class as a professional goalkeeper but bajic does because if you read a little bit further down 57 it also says or comparable league if they've played elsewhere in another country. And ah, Bajic, right. has, Bajic has played for San Etienne and Paul, so he won't won't qualify. So if Max did get injured, we wouldn't be able to bring in an emergency goalkeeper. We'd have to play Bajic or, you know, yeah. or we could play Har- Harvey Wiles Richard. But yeah, if this is why I thought we might have loaned out Bajic again this season to give us the option of bringing in an emergency goalkeeper if anything happened to Max. But that doesn't appear to be on the cards as it stands. Okay, mm. fair enough. I mean, first half chances for us, Dave, um, few and far between. One shot on target all night. That came uh, just before uh, the interval. Um, and it was one of the only, probably the only decent ball that Tanner did. But Naki uh, could consider himself unlucky with that shot because he struck it well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Certainly hit it with some power and it took a good save from, from Long. We had a we had a, a chance early on as well when Mametti hit a shot that was kind of headed headed clear, um, which was looked like it was heading for the for the far corner as well. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was it was a game of two sides playing a lot of football kind of around their their own their middle third really. Um, I think if anything, Norwich probably hit us a little bit more on the counter than than through playing you know well orchestrated moves. Um, and I, I think, you know, went in at halftime and thought nil-nil, yeah, probably we could do it doing a bit better. But I thought we were we were in the game and 
not comfortable, yeah. but it, yeah. but it was a fairly evenish first half. It had it had the atmosphere. I took a couple of people along last night. One said it almost had the atmosphere of a pre-season friendly at, at times. You know, the, the you know just the general atmosphere in the ground. It was hardly a febrile cup tie environment. Yeah, I think Nor- Norwich's style of play in terms of playing out from the back and keeping the ball was you know probably doesn't help her, you know, it wasn't end-to-end as such, was it, to get the crowd going? I thought the crowd were actually quite good last night. I think you sometimes night games, you you tend to get a more, I'll call it a football crowd, rather than the yeah. people on Saturdays who could just go along because it's the kind of part-time fans, I was going to say. It's probably yeah. a bit the wrong thing. You, you know what I mean. Did try and get, Section 82 did try and get a bit of singing going, in, uh, particularly in the second uh, half. Ian, um, you know that Wells with that shot there. I know he scored uh, um, at the weekend his first goal in open play in twenty games. But I think Tomo pointed this out to me in a text overnight. You know we say, "Oh my God, Naki Wells if he goes thirty goals in one hundred and forty-four games for us." That's sort of like almost one in five. Well, it is one in five, isn't it? I mean, you know, it should we be expecting more from him, or is it? about the service lack of particularly well it's about the service lack of the way the team's set up um when you look at our our squad if you looked at a potential starting 11 and you looked at which players would you bet on to possibly score a goal you'd pick on naki wells tommy conway and andy weinman probably and if i said which player would you think would be capable of scoring 10 or more goals in a season? You'd probably pick the same three. Yeah. Now, Tommy's out. And, and the last time he was out, he missed 15 games. Um, and he's out. And we don't know exactly when he'd be back. He, he, could, he could be back Saturday. He could be back after the international break. We don't know. So... He is our best hope. And as you've just said, I think it was one goal in 23 games from open play. So that doesn't scream at you. We don't need a bit of help up front. But I maintain that you could have the best number nine. You could have Harry Kane up there. But without the service, having said that, I mean, Naki did miss a sitter against against Birmingham, but he doesn't often do that. Um Without the service um, and without a, a tweak in shape to enable us to play two strikers, uh, I, I honestly don't think we're going we're gonna to see us score many goals. Uh, I mean, the uh, it was all over the stats type forums. XG against Hull was just under four. We scored one. And that's because uh, Joe Williams couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo as far as scoring goals is concerned. Um, and other players, you'd think, well, if I said how many goals do you think Mark Seitz can pick up, you'd probably say, well, maximum six in a season. Yeah. Jason Knight, we don't really know yet, but I'd fancy him to be around about the same number. So th- there aren't many goals coming from all over the team. Sam yeah. Sam Bell, once again, is probably another that you 
class in that bracket. Well, I have to say, Ian, with Sam, he does look like most of the time he's played this season, he looks like little boy lost. Let's get into the uh, second half action. Am I right in saying, Dave, just before they scored what proved to be the winning goal, did they hit the bar as well with some long-range effort? I think they did. Yeah. They? No, it was, a, it, was, it was a quite a close, about 12, yard, 12 yards out of kind of ball banks favourably for them kind of in our inside left channel and they, they broke on us from about 40 yards out played a ball into the box guy did a little uh, back heel into the path of that's it I think, I think it might have been Gibbs not sure it was um, yeah and, Gibbs it was a hit uh, bar. And, yeah. and, and he curled one from about 12, 14 yards onto the underside of the bar and it, and it bounced out and you kind of think phew and then two minutes later we give them the give them the goal which yeah we'll take us through the goal Dave as you saw it because I thought it was it it was sloppy well you know commentators curse from from me with 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 Joe last night watching as the ball got played over the top of Tanner I'm going it too well to keep that in and uh on the stretch McCallum did keep it in got the ball to Placetta and and you know he he rolled Dickie too easily unfortunately I guess you know if you if you want to just you know, not be overcritical of, of Dicky. You'll say Placetta is massively left-footed, and he spun him back onto his right foot and finished into the into the far corner. It was a pretty uh, a pretty neat turn and, and finish, but disappointing if you're a defender because you probably, even though he is left-footed, you probably show him onto his left foot onto a much narrower angle. And uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a soft Dickey goal. Was playing but... on his preferred side there. I know you said it, and we've had discussions offline. Doesn't make much difference which side Dickie plays, but no. that is his preferred side. And I thought he went on some decent foraging runs, but you yeah, know, he didn't he did. really have people to pass to. They weren't finding the spaces, were they? No, that's right. So it's a bit disappointing goal overall to 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 give away. And then of course you're on a on a back foot then against a side that you know make it difficult to get get the ball back off of. And uh, yeah, it, you know, we 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 did quite well against them in fairness in terms of winning the ball, but. You know, not they suck a load of time out of the game and at one nil up. That's you know, time on your side, is it? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about time. I mean, there was what two minutes in the first half and only five in the second with all those substitutions. I still haven't worked out, you know, referees seem to be applying their own rules to time added on, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're, Ian, I think they're you, just I'm making I'm it up. <coughs> you 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 you've seen the goal on the highlights, uh, Ian, how did you say it? I've seen a battleship turn quicker than uh, Rob Dickey did for uh, for the goal. But for me, it showed the commitment of the Norwich player chasing what looked a lost cause. And Tanner was nowhere near the bloke, was he? No, and this is one reason. There's a complaint that a lot of people levy against our fullbacks is they don't get up the pitch enough. And I think that might demonstrate why they don't. Um, we, we've camperings come under criticism for not getting up the field enough. Um, George Tanner every week, well, we, he's, our fullbacks didn't get up the field far enough. I've heard the manager say it, but they can't because even when we, if you will, we have the lion's share of possession, there's always a threat in behind because we haven't got anybody who can really give them the ball in, the, in a key area. Um, and that lack of creativity is one of the reasons <coughs> scoring more goals. Yeah. Um, if you look at clear goal scoring opportunities, um, apart from at Hull, when we, we we did have some, some because the ball was going in the box with better quality. Um, and that's one of the, if I'm George Tanner or Cameron Pring, I think, hang on, if I'm going on a lung buster up the outside 
am I going to get the ball? And how many times out of 10 am I going to get the ball? And I, at the moment, I reckon you'd be struggling to say any more than three. Um, and because of that lack of seeing a pass creative, a pinger in midfield, um, then it's difficult for them to get forward. But, I mean, Ross McCrory, Pearson almost admitted when they asked him what was McCrory's best position, he said, well, we're right back. He was brought in to replace George Tanner. And then um, we signed another guy who can play right back. So I think, uh, I'm not saying George's days are numbered, but I'm saying there's going to be uh, an awful lot of competition at right back. So uh, depending on what injuries we get, we'll have to be moving players around the squad to fill holes here, there and in everywhere. Well, they're utility players, something that when Gary comes on the podcast, he says we want specialists in their positions and not these. Yeah, I, I like flexibility. Uh, and I think it's handy that you've got players like Cal Naismith that can play in midfield and can play that left centre-back role. But it's a question of where are they best. And yeah. my my humble opinion is that I don't think George Tanner's a, a bad right back defensively and he's come up against some very good players and he and for me he's he's done pretty well um but there's no doubt it, he's not i think he can get forward and i've seen him play some good crosses and hit some good shots but he's creating those opportunities in open play for him yeah. to be able to do that yeah yeah I, th I think as well you know you talk about utility i think i think most people when they start using that terminology are, are using it in the slightly negative context of Jack of all trades, master and none. But I think, you know, Ian's just mentioned Cal Naismith. Cal Naismith's not a jack of all trades, master and none. No, no, no. He's, he's, no. You know, and, and, and you know, we, we look at someone like Taylor Gardner Hickman, who can play right back, can play centre midfield. You only got to look back at Alex Scott, haven't we? You know, he can play multiple roles well, he and did, positions. He did a he's, good job. He played yeah. virtually that season in that right back. And I think he looked pretty decent in that role. I mean, for me, for me, right back last night, you could have given, because Tanner was poor, uh, you know, and going forward, definitely poor. I, I've liked it when Sykes has played right back a few times in there, because, you know, at least he's going forward. and He, he likes a tackle. He can put a foot in. Dave, what did you think of um, Roberts last night? I thought he looked effective pre-season, but when he's come on, he seems a bit... You know, on that form, to me, he's not challenging Pring, which at one stage we thought he might. I, I think I think he just, you know, circumstantial last night that the ability for him to to get forward and show what he can do on the ball was, you know, came up against a, a what I think even with several changes was a pretty good decent Norwich side. And I think second half, we start to see him drift in field a little bit and that create a little bit more room. Uh, but first half, I don't think the opportunities were were there for him. Mm -hmm. I thought he had a, a steady game. I think defensively he did his job. We just okay. didn't you know, get, get the okay. most out of him. And I, and I think that if you, if you watch that game back, I reckon you'd probably say most players had a close to a six out of ten, but there weren't enough. Players, you know, there wasn't, you know, we didn't have three There's or no four, seven, seven there, was it? No, yeah. there, no, there, there wasn't. You know, I, I think you know, people like yeah. Joe Williams, I think, had a, had a, had a, probably was our best player last night. Gets a load yeah. of unnecessary stick, I think, because of his injury form, rather than people actually watching how he performed. Number of times he nicked balls last night and got Sykes going forward, or yeah. 
got you know got yeah. the ball out to Cornick or whatever. I think he was he was decent, but even then, I wouldn't say he got a seven. He was probably a six and a half. Yeah, you know, I, I was calling like you were at the start of uh, the the recording today. I thought late on in the game when we're, you know, I know both of you have said don't really want to cut run this year, but you know we're one nil down, chasing the game. Could have tried the uh, the uh, Viner and Dicky combination in readiness maybe for uh, Saturday and push Cal Naismith into uh, into midfield, but. Uh, Ian, you know, two players that were, so say, going to be signed in the summer, but we got them in January. Goodness me, Cornick and Mometti. I, I tweeted uh, earlier this morning, have they, we, coached the joy out of Mometti? But, I mean, the pair of them take Cornick's long throws away. Uh, and, okay, he did reasonably well at Hull Friday night, saw the whole game. But I, I, I put on Twitter... They're, they're not really any better than what we've got, you know, because you say Cornet and Mameti, Sykes and Bell, that's the alternatives, but Mameti's having a bit of a torrid time here, isn't he, in particular? Well, I think that the phrase you used was coach the joy out of him, and, and he doesn't look the player currently that he was when he first came in, because when he first came in, he was putting in some effective crosses. I remember one particular one, I think it was against Wigan in a night game that Rob Atkinson headed in, uh, excellent cross. The, the issue, uh, you mentioned Roberts, and I think the issue is Roberts was looking good against lesser teams. He's now up against championship defenders, and it's a world of difference because you're not playing against, uh, with great respect to League One players, you're not playing against big big lumps or blokes are possibly on the way up. You're, you're playing against honed-in-tone guys, some of whom have played in the Premier League. And they, they as well as being big, strong athletic defenders that they can play football um and and that's the difference is is that quality of player just for a laugh before the game started last night i wrote down the subs that i thought nigel pearson would make and i got three out of four right and that makes i think we're 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 a bit predictable in fact i think we're very predictable in how we play and we're easy to play against particularly um, when we're at home, yeah, um, and uh, which is why I I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it tweaked. Not well, I heard you say that on Radio Bristol last night. Not, Ian. Not, yeah, yeah, not not rip it up and start again. No, no, but tweaked in order that to make us more threatening at home. And and it, you know, all I was suggesting was play an extra striker and leave out uh, a midfield a holding midfield player. Although. Mm. In, in fairness, Dave and Dave hit on this. We're not really playing with, with a double pivot. We're playing with a single pivot and Joe Williams pushed further on, trying to break up playing the final third, possibly. But in that position, Joe's going to get opportunities that he's unlikely to take. Because, because of his lack of finishing capability. Well, no, that, that's but that isn't his strength. You wouldn't sign Joe Williams as a player and say, right, this is a bloke who's going to get us 10 goals a season from midfield. You just wouldn't, because that ain't the player he is. No. So okay. if you're going to play with, if if you at least play, you know, more like a an eight than a six, um, you 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 know, one alternative you could play with two eights, and you could use uh, TGH and um, Knight as your eights, and play Matty James as as the 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 pivot. Yeah. I thought at oh, we were more of a four one two three 
rather than a 4 3. Yeah, I mean, look, Pearson said after Hull, if we play like that every week, we'll win a lot of games. Yeah. And I, I sort of inclined to agree with him having watched the full 90 minutes. Dave, do you think we're predictable at home? I think I think what we're struggling with at, at home is the ability to play through through the middle of the pitch. So everything you know, some people might have read. I, I wrote an article pre-season, and uh, there was a little bit in there about last season in the second half of the season when we switched from the back four, you know, and and the kind of formation we're seeing now. I call it kind of you know three Buffalo girls go round the outside because the only way we could create was going going round the outside. Um, and pre-season, you know, take on board is against lesser opposition. But there was that, those balls into Scott and Knight where, or and Vyman, where they they could take the ball on a half turn in the centre from a good ball from someone like Dickie or Viner, and then they'd be at their defence. And we've not been able to do that very well in the home games. And, and I, I think if we look at how we did that the other night against Hull, we open them up in the middle of the pitch, um, and, but I think you have to you have to give a lot of credit to oppositions as well. And I think we've played we've played actually four top half teams so far, and we've you know results wise we haven't done too bad. Um, are they going to be top half teams at the end of the season? Not you know well, maybe, say, but but, yeah. but but they might not be they might not be you know the, the best side. Of the world. But Preston, Birmingham, Millwall, they're all disruptors. They're all teams that base their game on stopping you playing. And, and therefore, I think until we've seen a bit more alternative opposition, I don't think we'll know whether it's a home hoodoo or, or you know, or what. I think, you know, we, we've showed that we can attack because against Hull, and I think we controlled the game against Millwall and ground them down and started creating chances because of the, you know, the types of sides they are. So I, I think, you know, I think we'll get a better indication as well on, on Sunday against Swansea Saturday, as well. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday sorry, Swansea. It's been moved the Swansea up, team, certainly under uh, Russell Martin, they like to play football. They've lost uh, a lot of players, I think, in the window, haven't they? But they've... they've, they've well, he's at Southampton now, Dave. Yeah, so they got... That's Mark what I mean. No, he's... Yeah. Like they used to play under Russell yeah. Martin. They're under, they're under change, aren't they, now? So, we, yeah. this is, you know, to, to me, this, they lost last night to Bournemouth. I think, um, I think this is a good time to play them and we'll get another sense of how do we play against certain certain sides. And I think, you know, we, I think once we get to the next window, we'll have a, not window, sorry, the next international break when we'll, we'll have probably played 10 or 11 games. We'll have played 11, Dave, by the next yeah, we'll, we'll have a We'll have a better idea of what type of side we are. I think we are a little bit um, into looking at, probably overthinking it, but without thinking about who we've actually yeah. played against. And I, okay. and I think those sides, you know, Preston always give us a tough game. We have a, a slightly better record against them, but they, you know, they, they stick players in places and they push up and they go 3v3 at the back and they condense the midfield so it's not surprising there was no room in that game against them to play and similarly Birmingham I thought we were masters of our own downfall really and giving yeah. the ball away cheaply and right, making right, them look absolutely. a making them look a better side than they actually were yeah. so you know we'll, we'll, we'll see I'm not, I'm not going to get too down on it at the moment okay. well I put we need 
to get a point. But we need to get at least a point at Swansea. I tweeted this last night. We need to get a point because if we get a point, then from the opening five games, it goes, what is it? One, three, one, I think it would be then, wouldn't it? Yes, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. not yeah. great. And I call that a C-plus season. Ian, uh, Ephraim Yaboa, um, you know, another youngster, Steve Lansdowne, said, oh, we'll produce a £25 million player every season and build up the nest egg. Yeah, notwithstanding Tommy Conway looking to be the most uh, um, player likely to maybe live up to that billing. But as part of maybe changing things a little, would you start your boa on Saturday or do you think he's just a 17-year-old? Good to bring him on. But if you're chasing the game, you know, has he got that composure that you might need? I, I'd run him from the start. What do you think? I well, personally, I'd I'd start him either in that game or in the next home game against West Brom. Yeah. Um, basically, because we're not scoring goals, particularly at home. Um, and you know, what's the worst that could happen? He goes in, he doesn't do very well. You work him, you know what you've got on the bench. You know, you've got your the likes of uh, well, it'd probably be Cornick that would be left out, but you know you've got him to to bring on. Um, so if it doesn't go well, and we've seen uh, Nigel Pearson hook Alex Scott after 21 minutes, yeah. so we, we know he can do it. So give the I would say give the in the absence of nothing else. Look, if we go out and get bring in a powerful striker who can hold the ball up on loan, yeah, give him a start. But on the basis we're Ain't not gonna gonna, on the basis we're not going to do that. Yeah. I'd give him a go. Yeah. Um, could possibly be, I mean, and I say a slight tweak to the formation, uh, a 4 1 3 2. And I think all of our strikers, it is my opinion, all of our strikers are, are better and have shown better form in a two than a one. Um, and, and that, let's see if that helps. All right, the wheels could come off, we could lose a game. It could be a terrible idea. And I could be completely wrong. And uh, if that's the case, I'd put my hands up. Yeah. But it, it, it's not, I mean, we're not going to score less goals than we're scoring, are we? No, that's very true. Dave, would you uh, would you be bold and give your bow a start? What qualities have you seen him in the cameos that we've uh, had him appearing on the pitch so far? I think it's pace and rawness and, you know, and desire, you know, all, all those kind of things that are, you know, good attributes to have in a, in a young player. But no, I wouldn't start him on. On Saturday, he he's got a touch of the Semenyo's about him because he seems to have yeah. good upper body strength. And talking about Semenyo, he scored that goal against Liverpool. And I watched a chunk of that Bournemouth, uh, what was it Bournemouth, who they were playing Tottenham. at the weekend? Bournemouth Tottenham, Tottenham weekend. He, he seems as he, he, he featured well there. But would you agree with me that Yaboa's got that sort of, you know, he's brought strong shoulders? He's still not, he's not massive, but would you agree with that? No, I think, yeah, he's got those physical attributes hopefully or continue to to develop and just see that Zane on the YouTube feed said Yeboah is is class needs to start against Swansea but I think you know in in fairness to the lad he, he's come on and he's had a couple of cameos but Saturday we're you know if we're sat here today thinking about who's going to play I think he's going to play Gardner Hickman at right back and I think he's going to play Mark Sykes on the right side of of the of the yeah. three up front and and, and then would you, and do you think he'll do Dicky? Do you think he'll do Viner and Dicky and push Cal into midfield? Um, 
possibly. Yeah, I don't know. That's the that's the kind of bit of an unknown. I think I think he'll go back to. He might play Viner and Naismith. You know, Dickie's the he wasn't overly complimentary about Dickie last night, mm-hmm. was he? So, and having got sent off, that you know, he still I guess blotted his copybook to some extent. But and I think you know it'll be Wells, and I guess the, the the question is who plays who plays left side of the forward line. But you know, we've actually got some options in in midfield. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's James Naismith and Knight. I think I'd be, be a bit unfair on Joe Williams, who I think is probably... Yeah, yeah. But been, as you always say, Dave, it's not about formations and 11s. It's a 19-man, a 20-game yeah. matchday squad, even though we can't yeah. fill the bench at the moment. All right. I think that's the game done to death. Um, transfer window's approaching. We all heard Nigel's interview uh, last night. Ian, um, Nigel, do you, do you think that the goalposts have been altered the last two weeks compared to what we were being led to believe two months ago. Is that your view, Ian? Yes, I think uh, I, well, my my view, and it seems to be the view of an awful lot of City fans, and I can only go by people I talk to in social media, but that's an awful lot of people across a variety of age groups. Everybody was pretty happy with the transfer window up until the sale of Alex Scott. And most people accepted that we would sell Scott if the right offer came in and it appears the right offer came in. Now, whether that was 20 plus five, whether it was 25, I'm not, I don't know, in all honesty. Um, But it would appear to me that um, it was more likely to be 20 plus five in add-ons, but... We sold him and obviously he hadn't kicked a ball yet because he had quite a bad knee injury, which Bournemouth knew about and City made them aware of when they when they bought him. So there's no um, no con job there. Um, and I think most City fans, certainly the really sensible ones, thought, well, we won't spend all of it, but we'll probably spend something approaching four to five million and, and bring in the reinforcements that we need given the long-term injuries that we've got and that seemed the injury situation seems to be ongoing and when when we get one player back another one to go out and that seems to be the way of the world so um and what we've done is we we brought in taylor um looks at a decent signing west brom fans didn't really want him to go that's always a good sign um and that's on a, an option of a, a purchase for 1.3 million next summer. Now, the that's an option. So that money's yep. committed, if you will. But if we get to the end of the season and he's really not all that, we can send him back. Well, he just goes. It, it doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're saying so, it was good up to the Scott. So at that point... I think fans are expecting, well, okay, who else are we going to bring in? Because I think we need a, a centre forward, a centre back. Uh, we could do with an experienced backup for Max, or co- actually, what I prefer to is competition for Max. Because if you're talking about competition in every position, we haven't really got it for the goalkeeper. Um, so, and I'd like, and another player I'd like to see us sign is a creative central midfield player. Now, I don't care if it's a loan. Um, I don't care if it's perm, but 
I think we needed those reinforcements in our in our squad. I mean, can I just say in there, you said about a creative midfielder, and on the basis that you know he signed a centre half in in uh, Dicky, so Viner, Dicky, and Dave. I know you said Naismith slots into the back back um, back back four and has done for the last couple of games. But if you have a midfield of Knight, Naismith, and um, who's the other one? Who's James. And who, sorry? James. Yeah, that, that trio, right? If you're going to go out and bring somebody in, they've got to be better than those three. And those three are pretty much, you know, one of them is a Pearson favourite and justifies being on the pitch. The other one is the most creative player that we've got who can pick a pass, which is Naismith. And then the final one, Knight, we just played paid two million quid for in the summer. So, so that little grouping there, right, seems a bit of a unit for me. And then you've got, as you say, as backup people that can come in. If you force out one of those three from your starting lineup, they've got to be some some player. I mean, I come back, Dave. Let me ask you the same question about you know the the the, the back. Has the, have the goalposts altered? For Nigel, because he seemed, he said that's life. He seems resigned to his lot, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like we sold Scott and then Lansdowne's pulled the drawbridge up, and that, that's what it seems to me. I, I'm flabbergasted when I first heard Nigel talking about, you know, we're near the top of our wage budget. I thought he's trying to be a bit clever here. He's making sure that we don't, you know, we'll bring a couple of players in, but we don't want to pay over the odds for them because we've sold Alex Scott for 20 or 25 million. And he's also trying to be a bit canny with contract renewals that our own players who we're trying to recontract don't get paid too much just because we've sold a, sold a player. And I thought, you know, I can understand that. He's playing it a bit, bit sharp with the media. Good, good on him. That ain't the case, is it? He basically... You know, we could hear last night from his interview with, with Sheridan Robbins that you could tell he would bring players in if he could. And 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 I think, you know, Ian said we did he talked to some sensible fans and I think no one's expecting was expecting us to go out and spend five million on three or four players, as in, you know, fifteen or twenty minutes. No one's expecting that. I was expecting we might go out there and do a couple of deals in the kind of profile of player and cost of player in the you know the realms of McCrory and Knight type signing. Yeah, Get and even Taylor, if Taylor, if Taylor Hickman had been signed yeah. as part of that four, and I know that wasn't feasible necessarily yeah. at the time, if he'd been signed at that four, you'd have looked at it and you thought first division uh, ch- championship West Brom, yeah. moving to, to better himself. That was a good signing. Yeah. So yeah, the, the only reason West Brom have let him go is because they can't get rid of you know people like Moa and Chalibur are on 35 40 grand a week yeah so they've had to sacrifice Corbyn's come out and done a good sales pitch on it in, in effect and you know and said well you know he can't get in my I've got five midfielders and only two can play but there's no there's no way that they'd have got rid of Gardner Hickman um over the others if he you know if they could have got rid of Moa they'd have saved a lot more money on Moa than they would saved on you know loan with an option to buy for us and I think we've been quite smart in terms of knowing that that's probably the case and, and making sure we've got that option on there because it'd been very easy just to loan him for the season and give him back and you know the the rumours coming out from somebody who appears to be pretty well informed at West Brom is we've paid a 
700k loan fee as well so it's, it's almost like a two million pound transfer in effect if it all goes through which i don't think is unreasonable for a player who's got you know no. 30 40 50 championship game. Point, but we need we need to get players that are better than what we've got yeah, that's well, the sort of money that we need to be spending is I'll call it. We need first yeah, 1. team players. 8, One point eight. We'll call it two to two point five million. And McCrory. I mean, you know, it is fine margins. It is bad luck. And losing McCrory, who was along with Knight, you know, two damn good signings. Yeah, we've lost McCrory and no hope of him coming back. Yeah, in the in the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think we have to it's wait very, and see when he's what is diagnosis um, is, don't we? Yeah. Um, just conscious of time uh, on today's recording, uh, Ian. Um, international break coming up. It's probably the difference between eight points, which would be a great start to the season, uh, six points, which would be a, I give it a C plus, or five points from five games. Yeah, um, you know, if we lost, yeah, no pressure on Nigel now. Um, but then if you look at the games before the next international break, there's another six that are coming up, which is West Brom home, uh, Plymouth home, Leicester away, Stoke at home, Rotherham away, Leeds away. Yeah, if I say it, we want to be averaging one and a quarter points a game as a minimum by the time we get to the quarter stage of the season. Would you agree with that? Well, if the, point you, made, for. Like, the, the, the point you made about Swansea, if we... If we beat Swansea and we got eight points, then that would mean you're averaging about 1.6, which is... 72 a, points, simple extrapolation. 74 over, a, over yeah. a season, 73.6, we might be pedantic, but um, and that would be a, a, a good effort if we were able to maintain it. And, and look, if we, got, if we did get ourselves in a situation where we were drawing it home and winning away, that's not the worst thing in the world. No. Um, but I, I, my my fear is we we don't know um, when Ross is going to be back, and be our best wishes go to him because no footballer. It, it's one thing having an injury and thinking, well, you know, I've I've got a broken toe or something, and it's going <coughs> to be healed in two weeks. When you've got that kind of infection, it's not just getting rid of it. It's getting back to fitness. It's a recovery. It's a recovery and, period. And those things that you for six. So, yeah. um, great sympathy to him. Um, I, I've only, you know, watched. I watched him on TV play for Ab Aberdeen, uh, and I've seen the highlights clips on YouTube. And he's another. I, he strikes me as a bit of a right-footed Cal Naismith, um, but younger version of. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing him play. And that's why I say I think everybody was happy with our transfer activity up to the point that Steve Lansdowne said, no, 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 we're not going to, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to increase the uh, wage bill, whatever happens. But we've just increased our annual turnover by 20 million quid, possibly 25 million quid, however you look at it. And then because I thought the money from Semenyo uh, was funding the summer activity. Now, the, the communication that came out was, well, we don't need to sell Alex Scott. And once again, like Dave said earlier, you're thinking, well, yeah, that's quite good PR because you're saying to the marketplace, well, yeah, we'll sell him if we get the right bid, but we're quite happy to stay. And he's quite happy to stay because he wasn't agitating for a move or going on strike or anything like that. So 
yeah, I mean, I think if, if we were to win at Swansea, uh, I think that would be, and that's not beyond the realms of us because the way Swansea play uh, will suit us. And the way they're playing at the moment is they're yeah. scoring goals and they're quite good um, going forward, but they're not very good at the back. Now that might suit us because we can play a bit deeper and we can hit them, yeah. up, hit them with our pace okay. on the break, which is another reason I might play, play your boa. Um, yeah. but, oh, I think you'll get minutes. I think, he won't start. He probably won't start, but he'll get. Well, I, you know, let's let's put it this way. I, I, I think, but at home, particularly, we need to try. You could say, well, what we've done so far, we're picking up an average of two points a game away from home. Fantastic! If we can keep going like that, brilliant. Don't change anything. Um, but at home, you know, we can't accept picking up half a point per home game. Um, so looking at it as a, a glass half full or a, or a glass half empty, you say, right, what can we do to affect that? Okay, we're going to make a bit of a tweak. Listen, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Go back to what you were doing. Yeah. Um, but you can't just, you know, that, that thing about if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got um, is is very prevalent. Yeah. And, and okay. that's the way, you know, try it. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not saying play five forwards or play seven in midfield or go, you know, I'm, I'm just saying tweak it and and the, yeah. you know the guys and the coaches are good enough to coach that Christ. yeah um dave i mean it, you, i think as uh, the guys on radio bristol said last night you're not gonna rip rip it all up and start all over again with a new formation or anything like that but effectively we did that at the end of the calendar year because we've been playing three at the back do you think with the players that we've got now and that's Bar that's excluding the ones that are injured. Do you think that they could switch to a back three of say Viner, Dickey, and uh, Naismith? Yes, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any need to. You I don't. don't so I think. You stick with the formation. All right. Yeah. And going into no, 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 no. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think there are different ways you can play it. I, I sorry, it's my ring doorbell going off. I'm, okay. you know, long, long in the the belief that. You know, and this, this goes back to my own playing days as a kid, like playing under 13 football, where 4 3 3 was the, the formation we played. And basically, we played with a right winger, a left winger, and a centre forward, and the three never saw each other all game. And I think what we've done since losing Antoine Semenyo is we've lost the connection between at least two of them. And if we go yeah. back to that slightly, you know, that you know, it was only kind of the you know, end of December, January, where, you know, we had Sykes started to score some goals, play, and he was predominantly playing wide on the right, but he'd, he'd, he'd cut in or be at the back post ready to have it. But we had Semenyo playing a lot closer to Conway initially and then and then Wells. So we almost had an inside left, a centre forward and a right wing. So we had a very lopsided front three. And I think that was why we were able to, you know, Wells, you know, it doesn't matter he didn't score many goals last season. I think he's actually looked really sharp this season, and I think he, he I agree. played well last season as well. No, he looks, but he, we, looks, he looks fit and healthy and everything, yeah. And we even saw for, you know, 20 minutes on, on Friday night, however long it was, the impact Cornick can have if he's central and he's got players a bit closer to him as well. And and so I, I think we just need it, – it's probably a tweak. I, I think we do need – someone closer to Naki. And if that means we have to play lopsided, then then that's what we do. So I you know, I'd be almost tempted to play, you know, Naki and Cornick as more of a two even yeah, if that means we yeah. play 
and and that means someone like Pring's going to have to, you know, probably do a bit more covering, or the, per, the what the left hand side of the three in midfield's probably going to have to play a little bit wider when we haven't got the ball. Um, and I do see that you know the benefits of out the ball of the the front three because it does stop teams getting out through their fullbacks, and and in some respects we did that quite well against Norwich last last night. We did stop them playing the way they wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, as I say, I don't think we need to to rip it all up, but we need to certainly when we've got the ball, we, or if we're going to have to go long from the back, we've got to make a concerted effort to get someone around Naki Wells, and and for me that's. One of the, the the two wider forwards has got to get there. Not someone breaking forward from midfield. They're the once the ball's up there and it's dropping that they need to be there. Not for that initial ball up there. And that's sometimes why we then get a little bit kind of caught in our midfield is because we've you know the number ten. If it's been Vyman, Vyman's attacking instincts are so strong that as soon as that ball goes forward, he's making that run. But sometimes yeah. he's made it a bit too soon before we've established possession. And I think that's where we've kind of fallen down in this formation a, a, a little bit. So I think it's a bit about some subtle tweaks to it. And, and I, I don't think it takes more than that. I think we've got some, some decent players. I, I think it, the worst thing to do would be to panic and kind of throw it in the, you know, throw it in the bin and, and start again, because I don't no, think no. it's a million miles away. Yeah. Okay. Good points there. And you say some decent players, obviously, Mr. Ch- Mr. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Owner, Thinks we've got some decent players. He thinks that we've got a squad that's better than Luton's squad. Therefore, and, and being being clear, Dave, I don't think anybody said, and certainly I haven't, rip it up and start again. I'm saying, no. and and uh, it, you know, I, I think that the comment Steve made about developing a 25 million pound player every year, it, I, I think that was probably said a little bit tongue in cheek, but I hope it was. Um, Why has he set the bud the, the wage budget? You know, and I know you can have. You can have a whole playing budget, you can have a wage budget, you can have a transfer budget, but I see no reason whatsoever to set the wage budget as constrained as it is. It, it To me, it's bonkers, and to me, it's. I feel like he's setting up Nigel to fail. It's almost like, well, I'm yeah. going to constrain. If you do well yeah. with it, well, I've proved Good my luck. point. And if you grudging, sack, look, I've said it on you Twitter. Bring someone he else is in. scant. He is scant in his praise yeah. of Nigel. And when you look at what Nigel's done, okay, his playing record is open to question by a lot of people. But when you look at what he's done with the wages and getting it all the way down, and he's had a slap in the face from Lansdowne, I think. That's my view. I think you'd agree with that as well, Ian. You've as good as said that, Dave. I, I, I just, I just think it, it would never surprise me now that uh, Lee Johnson's had the sack at Hibernian, if Nigel Pearson went for <coughs> another, you could call it mutual consent, uh, he might just get cheesed off and, and, and walk, but I think he's probably too experienced to do that. Um, I, I don't think Stephen Lansdowne is, is giving the same support to Nigel Pearson that he gave to Lee Johnson and Mark Ashton. And I, I think... He, Sorry, I'm going. Go and I think he... You know, like Dave said, no one in their right mind is is saying go out and spend fifteen million quid on on new players. Um, but what we're we are saying is that we need a stronger squad to be able to compete at the right end of the table. Yeah. You know, and I don't think if we went out and we brought in two or three quality players, it would necessarily mean we make the playoffs. But it give us a hell of a lot more chance. And and what 
there there seemed that there was a, a level of discontent i'll put it no stronger than that uh, amongst the fans when the communication was made that we we wouldn't be strengthening any further in this window um and it it, it wasn't just people on podcasts like me uh, or people that are active on twitter that were saying it it was lots and lots and lots of people um if you if you look at it ian in terms of what nigel pearson's done he's cleared out a load of deadwood he's cleared out a load of high cost and if we look at the wage bill the wage bill when he took over was 30 million quid yeah. by my estimates i think it's going to be round about 18 20 and, 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 that's, and that's not all football club that you know sorry not all playing side that's you know including loads of admin people as well so over a, a period of three seasons he'll have he'll have probably saved somewhere if we'd have carried on at those costs, he'd have probably saved us 25 million in wages. Yeah. And, and amortization, that was at 12 million at peak. It then went down to nine and down to six, and I predict it's going to be about two and a half. He saved another 20 odd million off that high cost base that we had. And he's so blooded a young player and, who's and it, gone and on it, and raised them 25 million in transfers. And the 10 million France. So I think he's about like. I can't remember what numbers have just done there, but it's about sixty or seventy million in in the in credit in my in my book in terms of what would have happened if we'd have carried on spending what we did to, well, to we, not we, allow we... him to sign some play, some players is is actually got and I know he doesn't want a big squad and I think we're all saying the same here if we'd have turned around after Alex Scott sell and signed two two more Jason Knight types not not necessarily as everyone position, would have been but, happy. And, and and he hasn't and he hasn't been allowed to do it. It's absolutely crazy. And I think you know, this is where we need to hear from. And I put it on a tweet last night. We need to either hear from the owner, we need to hear from the chairman, who's the owner's son, or we need to hear from the CEO. And mm. and and and, and yeah. even then, I, it, the CEO is only really carrying out instructions of the owner. So you know, I, I think we need to hear from from Steve Lansdowne well, first, I think the because I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's letting people down and whether, okay. if that reason is because he don't want to stick the money in while he's trying to sell sell the club just come out and tell us that yeah, but at the yeah. moment he's given us false false promise and I think in that interview in Guernsey sorry I'll, I'll shut up in a second he <laughs> no, actually so said Dave, some, what you're saying is 100% behind what actually you're it saying. was it wasn't his Guernsey interview it was an interview that he did with Tim Shires about 10 years ago where he said Sometimes you just got to give the fans hope. Well, he's completely got rid of that, hasn't he? Because actually, he you know, I, I see it. I'm pretty positive, aren't I? And and I, and I feel completely no, I've not disillusioned with that side before, of the club at the moment. It's more about what's going on behind the scenes that's creating your negativity. Well, I think it's that lack of a lack of clarity with the fans. If if Steve Lansdowne has come out and said, right, it, it now we sold Alex Scott uh, past. The, the the um loan with an option deal we've done for Taylor Gardner Hickman. Um we will not be spending any more money in the transfer market because then I think fans they might not like it and I don't think they would like it. But at least they say, well all right, the communication's clear. We know what's going on. Um th they wouldn't blame Nigel Pearson because everybody's lining up to take credit for cutting the wage bill. You know, yeah. Richard Gould, John Lansdowne, everybody's taking credit for it. Now, the person at the sharp end has been Nigel Pearson, who 
it is has I'll, I'll put it in, in parentheses suffered because of that lack of funding i mean no no manager or i don't think any manager if they went to nigel pearson tomorrow say look hang on nigel we, we've had to think about this there's five million quid to spend if you can go out and bring in uh the right two or three players i don't think he's going to say no i don't want him. um so he is he said last night i'm a pragmatist i'm a realist we yeah. are where it's it's where we are and we continually hear this phrase it's where we are um and i think fans are, are, are rightly saying well when will we be in uh well when we will will we not be or well no, let's put this when up. will we be in a place where we can when see we're heading in the right, in, in right place yeah. when where, where what is the right place when do we get there because i agree with dave i heard an interview with steve lansdowne and he got on to well what should the wage bill be and the figure he quoted was 18 to 20 million and I, my guess is we're there yeah dave just said he's yeah. already said his guess is we're there it's not even playing budget though is it that's that's no. that's wages for the football club isn't it yeah and there's a lot of people you know you go down to that club and i speak i speak to people who have you know respected people uh, in the local community you say well i i've been going down to city for years and i know everybody down there and i remember years ago you you knew you everybody you went down and now you see hundreds of people wandering about the place in bristol city uh training gear and you might have a clue they are and, and I'm 200 not employees yeah and, and and i'm not saying it's a terrible thing or anything's badly run or whatever but you know we we lost a uh, a fortune in the last two financial years i mean absolute king's ransom um and well, it, Dave, so, sorry and dave and i were talking offline yesterday because exile robin put a tweet out saying you know like oh we're a club we can't expect lansdowne to keep putting his hand in his pocket because we're a club that's losing ninety two thousand pound a week right ninety two thousand pound a week and you think well hang on a minute you know why are we losing ninety two thousand pound a week what is fundamentally wrong with our cost base when you look at okay i use birmingham as an example alongside millwall and preston but alongside millwall and preston yeah who have both been better than us over the last few years they they, they haven't got a benefactor to lose ninety two thousand a week they go bust dave you know you, you what's what's, what's happened to you can spend what you generate which was this previous mantra that's gonna gone out the window i think that's that's really why, why we're struggling as fans is that we've not been told why things have changed and and the expectation of tinian tinian came out we've got a plan a with alex scott we've got a plan b without him well taylor gardner hickman won the plan b without him was it that, you know, i think that, he, that's a, a reaction from mccrory i think he was signed because of the extent of the problem that mccrory has and i think yeah. that was he had no option but to let him do that. Yeah. yeah. And getting back to the point about the money, it would have been, he would have, if Lansdowne had said to the fans, right, we've had 25 million for Alex Scott, 20 plus five, because I think because of Scott's injury, I think that's why we've got 20 plus five rather than straight 25, right? Because we needed the money in this year's accounts. But if Lansdowne had said, all right, Nigel, you're going to have a quarter of that fee to spend on a combination of wages or transfers as you think fit, everybody would have said, live with that. But the communication, there has been a distinct lack of 
communication. I mean, there's somebody on the staff there who's called director or who's communications officer. I think that's Roger Barton. Yeah. You know, somebody Big needs Barton. to front up. Somebody needs to front up pretty damn soon and say, I, I think, I think that's why, Dave, I, I think that's one, you know, uh, Nigel Pearson's interview last week for the whole game, the, the kind of one with the Bristol Post and uh, Radio Bristol. I, I, I think he sounded a little bit cheesed off, not not because he's in a mood, but I think he's constantly being asked to front up about on questions about transfers and contracts. It's not his role. He's no. told us that. Of course, he's involved in the in the process and things like that, but that's not his job, and we're not hearing from anyone else. And and well, and in fairness, and, and that, and that's a big problem. Whilst we had whilst we had man. You know, mouth on a stick, Mark Ashton, always there when things were good, right? When Richard Gould was here, he struck the balance. He was there mm. when it mattered. He got taken down. You know, he made a couple of couple of interviews he did where he probably didn't say too much. He didn't manage it well. But Gould was there as a figurehead that you thought Gould and Pearson combined seemed a good combo. Whereas we've picked up somebody who was recommended to Steve Lansdowne by Richard Scudamore who has been conspicuous by his absence in terms of any fronting up of anything. And if you read on the Palace forums what he did, Phil Alexander, he's probably a lovely guy, but he had nothing to do with the playing side. Everything he did was commercial. And when you're a Premier League club, the commercial opportunities to exploit and develop are a lot different to being a championship club, which we are. And to be fair, there's probably a lot of commercial stuff that needs sorting out as well. <laughs> judging well, not by. Least, well, not least the away kit. Anyway, yeah, guys, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. we, could talk, we could talk all day uh, about this. And thanks, Sam, your comment on their brilliant topical pot. Yeah, we should have maybe done less on the game because it was not a game to forget, but less on the game and more on uh, this. But uh, I say some of us have got jobs to do. <laughs> that means mainly me. <clears throat> I shouldn't have time off. Dave, great to uh, great to have you on again. And let's sort Pleasure. of have it. Yeah, if it's once a month or something like that, it'd be good to have you on. Happy 18th birthday to your lad, Joe, of the weekend. So I know you've got a big weekend lined up for that. Happy birthday, yeah, happy for birthday that here. Joe. I'll be with yeah, you cheers. on Saturday tea time where we'll do a review of the Swansea game. I'm hoping it's going to be that we come back from South Wales with uh, with something. Yeah, but uh, in the meantime, everybody, as always, all thousand plus of you, thanks for listening. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Cheers. God bless everybody. Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins are bubba-bubbing along. Red Robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, 
get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is ready, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute, all your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.